Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. Sometimes it is as simple as saying, Jesus, I need you. Oh, Jesus, I'm in need of you. God, I pray that you would move throughout the rest of this day, God, throughout the rest of our lives. God, I pray that you would continue to touch. God, that you would continue to strengthen and shape us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Such an awesome presence of God in here. I'm so thankful that God would visit. You can be seated. I'm going to dismiss the kids, the Sunday school. For those of you who uh, want to use notes on your phone in the Bible app, you can go to myhope.life forward slash sermons, and there's a big black button on there that says, uh, get notes here, and you click it, it'll open up in your version Bible app, but I'll also give you that, I'll give you the handout here in just a few minutes, but there's a couple things I'm going to do first. First, I want to say my family is here, my mom and my brother and my sister. Um, it's great to have them, love having them when, they, when they're able to make it up here. They live so far away. They live down in New Mexico. Josh is at Bible College um, in Indiana, and Lauren also lives in New Mexico. And so I think it's uh, pretty cool to have my family. Um, I get excited when they're here. Um, well, this is the last Sunday of Love Where You're Planted. And I love where God has brought me. I love that he's brought me here to this place. I love that he has allowed me to, I don't know, minister to people. Because it's not always the case that you love where you're planted, uh, that you love the treasure that's in the field, all those things. And uh, I think we can go through days where we don't love where we're planted. And sometimes we're like, God, why'd you bring me here to Minnesota 
why'd you bring me here to the cold, cold frozen tundra? But you know what? Like, I love, there's something about Minnesota I just absolutely love, and I wouldn't trade it. But we've heard throughout the gospel in, in Matthew chapter 13 that the seed needs to take root, and depending on the ground, um, and the ground is what defines us spiritually, and that ground will define what happens with that seed. If it falls on bad ground, the, the enemy comes and takes it away. If it falls on rocky ground, it'll spring up quickly, but it won't have life because the sun will come out and scorch it. Um, it'll fall in thorny ground, and it'll take root, and it'll start to grow, but the thorns in life will start to choke it out, the worries of the world, anxiety. Like that song that we just sang, I speak Jesus oh, uh, for everyone that has anxiety, for every person that has depression, I speak Jesus. He is the only thing, he is the one thing that I know that I can go to in those struggles. And throughout Matthew 13 and Psalms 1, it helped with the understanding of needing to be rooted in Christ. I can't be rooted in my ministry. I have to be rooted in Christ. Being rooted in ministry and feeling the need to always do something is counterintuitive to your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so is it important to serve and be a part of the church? Yes, 100%. But that can't be your God. That can't be. And we can absolutely make coming to church and serving God. And so in this final one here, I, I want us to know that as Christians, we must continue to follow the vision and plan of God rather than our plan. So what that means is we have got to purchase the field. And if you have been reading Matthew chapter 13, you'll have an idea of where I'm going today. But before I even get into any of the scripture, I have a visual aid that we're going to start with. I'm pretty excited about this. I brought a pot. And uh, in this, this pot, uh, Ashley bought this a few months ago. And it sat out on our deck. And the wind came and blew it over. And uh, it broke. The dirt got knocked out of it. And Echo came and ate the plants that were in it. <laughs> Um, and so it's never produced anything, but hopefully I don't get dirt all over the place, and I already did. But you can see here, I would say, I think I, I looked up the price of this pot, and it's broken, it leaks, it, it, it's, it can't hold any water, it's broken. It, but I looked, and the value of it, if you bought it brand new, would be about $20, and there's probably, you know, like 2 or $3. I think she got some good dirt. I think the dirt might have been like $8. You know, so there's like $25 right here in this bucket. And it's going to make a mess if you take this home today. I got two. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were like, I want it. <laughs> I, want the, I want the pot. I want to put it in my car. Does anyone want to take it home? Anyone want to give me like 20 bucks for this thing? No? Okay, you know what? That's the way I was hoping it would go. I need a volunteer now. <laughs> I need a volunteer. Someone volunteer. Don't be a skirt. Okay. I'll take Kevin. I'll take Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, would you give me $20 for this? No, you don't, you don't have $20. Okay, that's perfect. This is, good, this is a good analogy. If you had $5, would you give me $5 for this? Maybe, maybe it was helping me. Right, it's broken. It, it's not that great. I mean, it's kind of like us, right? Broken. You know, can't really hold it together. We're falling apart, and anytime we, like, Get out there, we, we break and we squeeze a little bit of a mess out, you know, all over the place. And, uh, but I want you to take that little shovel there. I want you to dig through it real quick. 
But don't, don't say anything if you find something in here, okay? Well, I mean, you need to look like, yeah, but don't show anyone. Just I want you to look at it, but don't say anything, okay? Does the, does the value of this go up? Yeah, okay. Go ahead and bury it again. Okay. That's good enough. Now would you give me $20 for it? Yeah, right. Now the value all of a sudden just astronomically increased in this. And uh, Kevin, you can take that, that, that thing. That, that's yours, yeah. Yeah, it's yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the purpose. <laughs> um, this just went up a whole lot more. And so in this scripture, let's move into the scripture now. Kevin, since you, since you got the, the, what was in there, you get to pass those out. <laughs> you got a word for it now. <laughs> so in this scripture, I, I love it because it, it, it's Jesus. He's talking here, and it starts at verse 44 in Matthew chapter 13. And, and in this passage, he starts to talk about the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field. Now, there's two ways I'm going to go with this, and you're going to have to like try and really pay attention here, because there's some things that, that like it doesn't necessarily mean you. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about the kingdom of heaven. But you are a part of the kingdom of heaven. So whether you like it or not, you have value. And you have to realize that in our broken state, Jesus Christ died on the cross for us because he had already discovered the value that was within you. And so in verse 44, it says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Now, I wouldn't expect Kevin to uh, sell everything that he has to buy my $20 pot here. But like he would, I bet you he would have figured out a way to get $20 to get the, there was $100 in, in there in a little Ziploc bag. I, I can only imagine that, that God would try, uh, that we would try and just get rid of everything. If we knew that this was going to change our lives, I would go for it, right? I would do everything that I could to get what God had. That is what the gospel is. And Jesus loved us in such a way that he was willing to give up his life so that he would die in a sacrifice for us. But because you had value, value that you didn't realize was there. The owner of the field didn't know the treasure was there. But when the person went and found it, he, he was like, oh, I found this treasure. Let me bury it back up and now I'm going to sell everything because the treasure that I found is more valuable than all the possessions that I own. Think about that. That is what the gospel is. When we find the gospel Amen. message, we have got to sell out to ourselves and say, nothing else is important as serving Jesus Christ. Nothing else is important as, as following him, as doing what God wants me to do. Nothing else comes, comes second because I love God. The treasure yeah. here that I found is so much better. In verse 44, sorry, 45, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. In search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. Let me ask you this first question. How do I find value in me? I think that can be a struggle. You may sit here today and you'd be like, well, I don't really have value. I don't have any talent. I don't have any abilities. I feel like I was on the, the, the shorthand of when God was passing out talents and abilities. He was like, you only need like 
you know, to be able to function. Well, thank God you're functioning and breathing today. I got breath in your lungs. You've got something to worship and praise God for. So it can be hard, though. This isn't the main point of the scripture is finding value in yourself. But it is a portion of the scripture that is important to recognize. We know that God already found value in us because of his sacrifice in Calvary. But for some reason in our brains, and I'm talking about me too, that's not enough. Like, I'm like, I'm still unworthy. I'm still not able to be loved like he loves me. I'm still, I'm still broken and I'm still messed up. However many times we discredit the calling of God because we are humbly proud. Oh, I'm, I'm, no, God could never use me. Like, oh, no, I, I, he wouldn't want me to do something for him. And so we discredit him by being humble. And really, it's our pride that is getting in the way of God doing a work in our lives. I promise you this, that if God calls you and you begin to respond to the call and do what God has called you, he will equip you for that call. In the moment, you may not feel like you're able to do it, you may not feel like you, you, you tell God, hey, you've got the wrong guy. There's no way that you want me to do that. There, you have definitely dialed the wrong number, God. God doesn't butt dial people. He, he knows exactly who he's calling. And when he calls you, he intentionally called you because he loves you and cares about you. And the past, he doesn't matter about the broken vessel. He doesn't matter the lack of dirt or the lack of production. He believes that you can do something and he is calling you. So stop being so proud and saying, God, no, I can't. That's the first part of finding value in yourself is killing pride. <laughs> Next, finding value in us happens when you begin to find the value of the gospel message. The hard part is to say that I'm called, chosen, and loved. I struggle with that. Those, those three words right there. I'm called, I'm chosen, and I'm loved. It is difficult for me to believe that God could call me being a person that has been on drugs or being a person that's been an alcoholic. Like, I'm tell like why would God call me? Why would, why would he call me? Like, there's so many other better people out there. It's hard to believe that I'm chosen. Why would God choose me? Why would he love me? How could he love me? I've rejected him. There was a time when mom, my mom raised me. She's here. You can ask her all the fun questions you want to today. So my mom raised me, and she knows I was a devil child at times, but I was raised up in church for a long time. But then 18 years, I was out of the house. I did whatever I wanted to do, and I got my life into a mess. It wasn't her fault that that happened to me. That was my own choices. But that whole part there called chosen and loved, man, that's hard to accept. I rejected God. But then to come back to him, why would he love me? We would rather believe that we are too messed up, that we are too broken, and that we are useless. That's easy for me to believe. God couldn't really use me because I'm so messed up. I really don't have much value to the kingdom because I'm really broken. I'm just useless because I've never been successful at anything in my life. And so we go ahead and chalk that up as... That's fact. That's truth about us. And we negate everything that is in the word of God that says that we are loved, that we were fearfully and wonderfully made, that God doesn't make mistakes, that he cares about us. Those exponentially increase my value when I say I'm called, chosen, and loved. Wake up in the morning and say I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm loved. 
wake up in the morning and I guarantee you, you may feel weird the first couple of days of doing it, but the next couple, the, the, the three or four or five days later, you start waking up and you start saying it. I am called, chosen, and loved. When you're depressed, I'm called, chosen, and loved. When I'm feeling like I have no value, I am called, chosen, and loved. I am who the Father says I am. Not what man says I am, but what God says I am. The other tears me down and allows me to have the value that I can see because I don't understand what he sees in me. And I don't see what is hidden within me. The hidden value that was in the broken pot changed everything when it was discovered. What if, I'm not, not what if, when God begins to dig within you and unlock the things that are hidden within you, the hidden value that's there, I guarantee you things will begin to change in your life, but you can't get to that point until you say, God, I submit my life to you, my will to you, God. I'm giving everything. It's finding the gospel that brings value to your life. So how do I even find the treasure? The guy found the treasure. So that means that he had to be looking for something. Information, I can only imagine, you know, like how many of you as a kid went treasure hunting? Right, how many of you had a map that actually led you to treasure? Yeah, no one's got any hands in here. <laughs> me neither, unless I drew it. <laughs> and it was going to lead me to treasure. But you know how many times, how many holes I dug? How many, did anyone dig a hole? Yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> I dug holes looking for treasure. I was like, you know what, it's going to be the next one. My shovel's going to hit something. Did anyone ever get a metal detector? Yes, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I've had a metal detector before, you know, scanning the yard, and I find a penny. I remember going out with my grandpa, and we go, he had one of those Garrett metal detectors, and we go walking around, and I was the digger. I was just like, oh, it's going to be the treasure chest. There's going to be a pirate who left his. I was so excited. So I was looking for something. I knew that there was things out there because, you know, everybody drops change. Apparently, that's all they drop. <laughs> and bottle caps and you know, nails. I've, I've never found anything good, okay? Like, other than a couple of pennies. <laughs> um, <laughs> maybe if you go out to Detroit Lake, you could probably find something, you know, like, I know. Or if you, I bet you if you went out to Wee Fest, I bet you there's some stuff out there. There's some stuff you don't want to find either. <laughs> so, how do we find treasure? Well, the treasure is God's word. You know it's there, but we struggle. Everybody struggles. I struggle with my Bible reading. I do. We know the treasure is there. We know what the gospel message is. We know that it's there. We know that God finds value in this, but how many times do we visit this per week? Like some of us are really good and diligent in, in doing that. I try to listen to the Bible a couple of days a week, and I should do it every day of the week. I try my best to have a personal devotion, but I don't always do it. And so the reality is, is, Sometimes I get satisfied with what I have, and I no longer search for what God has. And so this man was not satisfied, and there was something that he knew that he felt that he needed to dig and go find this treasure, and maybe he just stumbled across it. You know, I don't know how he found it, but there was a reason that he was looking for this treasure. And so the treasure is God's word. It's full of truths to help you find value, but more importantly, to show its value. Let's look at Matthew chapter 10. 
verse 26. It says, therefore, do not be afraid of them, since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs on your head have been counted. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. That's what that scripture right there. If you had to narrow it down to pick one, verse 31 right there, don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. You're worth more than a flock of birds in God's eyes. But God cares about that flock of birds. You, you have, he cares about you so much that he would number the hairs on your head. That's a job. Because there are days that my hair, my receding hairline, this spot back here drives me nuts. You know, like, I don't know how to keep it. Like, I'm trying to do everything I can to keep my hair, hold on to it, because I want to keep God busy counting the hairs on my head. I'm like, if he has to stop counting the hairs, does that mean he doesn't care? No, it doesn't. I'm kidding. He'll probably count the other hairs somewhere else. <laughs> uh, so this scripture paints your value, but it also becomes the value of the gospel. Because in the value it finds in you, it allows you to paint the picture of how much God values other people. You have the opportunity to see lives change when we proclaim the gospel. You also have the opportunity to be hated for sharing the gospel. You see, finding the treasure is only possible by turning your life over to Jesus and saying, I'm going to be obedient to what you want, God. It's a struggle, but we, we have to do it. We, we must pray, and we must study his word. You heard it today. So that means there is information that you've been given. You've got a road map, a treasure map that, that leads you to treasure. And the treasure is the gospel. Pray and study his word. Don't be swayed by every wind of doctrine, but let the doctrine be God's word. So as we do these things, and he asks us to do, it doesn't seem so big of a deal when God calls us. At first, it's like, I could never do that. And then you start to take a step of faith and do what God called you to do. And all of a sudden, you begin to love what God called you to do, and you begin to love where you're planted. All of a sudden, like I tell you, starting coming here to Detroit Lakes was probably, no, it was definitely the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, like, I've had cancer, and my dad passed away when I was 15. And this right here was probably the hardest thing because it took me getting so far out of my comfort zone. And to come into a place that I had never lived before and start something that hadn't been there. So that's hard. That's, that's difficult. And it's hard to love where you're planted. As a matter of fact, you may resent where you're planted because someone else that made you promises didn't follow through. And so you begin to resent where God put you. He placed you in this certain place, and he's like, I've got you there because I know that you have a ministry there, and I need you to be there. But then you begin to resent the place because the promises that were made by man aren't fulfilled like they said they would be. And so then you begin to get bitter and think that where God has placed you is bad. That's wrong. God doesn't make mistakes. If 
he's planted you somewhere. He's got a purpose for you. And the most important thing that I can do is say, God, you've planted me here. Now help me to love the field that I've been planted in. That can be difficult sometimes because we look at someone else's field, we look at another field, and we're like, oh, that field, that's greener over there. Nope, it's just covered in someone else's poop, okay? Like, you know what? You need to stay where God has planted you because he loves you and he cares about you and he has purpose in you and he's put you there because it's in his plan and his will. So how do I follow God's vision and plan for my life and buy the field? Like, that, maybe that's hard. Like, you're like, well, I can't sell everything I've got. Like, I'm not asking you to. How do I buy the field? Well, there's things that we, as we follow God's word, the Bible talks about whatever your hand finds to do, do it mightily unto the Lord. And I'm going to take this real broad when I say this. When you go to work, you should be a representation of Jesus Christ. If you're going to be an oil change person, you be the best person changing oil out there, and you give God glory for every oil that drops from a car. Now, I have been the oil change person, and it's hard to give God glory when you're covered in oil and you're nasty and you're just, uh. <laughs> but you got to do it. you got to give God glory. It's his purpose. Be the best employee that you can be. You may hate your boss. You shouldn't. You better love him. <laughs> but you may very highly dislike your boss. You may very highly dislike your teacher. But you have got to be the best because God planted you there and he put you in their life for a purpose and for a reason. I don't believe that it's just circumstance that we all hear together today. I don't believe that it's circumstance that when you walk into your classroom, Millie, that, that the teacher that you can't stand is there and or the, or the substitute teacher or the friends or the, or the people that pick on you. It's not by mistake that God has planted you in that school, in that classroom. Every time you walk into your workplace, every time you go to school, wherever it is, God has planted you there for a purpose. I will tell you this. I had a job that I have for like 10 years. And I enjoyed the job most of the time, but I couldn't stand it. And it like sucked the life out of me as a surgical tech. I mean, I enjoyed being a surgical tech. I mean, it's cool. Like I got to hold a heart, you know, like off to the side. I was the retractor for the heart. I mean, I've got to do some really cool things in my life. Like I've done some real fun things. <laughs> Get your hands all up in there. It's like everybody's like, oh, I'm getting queasy. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> but that the job, like, I was so frustrated because I'd gone to school to be a school counselor and couldn't get a job. I'm like, okay, God, like I really felt like it was your will for me to do this. Why am I not able to find a job? Because it wasn't my timing. Remember last week? In his season, he'll reap. Or I'm sorry, not um, his leaf also not weather. He'll produce fruit. It's Psalms chapter 1. I'm, not, I'm totally misquoting it and messed it up. But it's the part in there that talks about he'll bear fruit in his season. So God had given me direction, and I did what I was supposed to do, but it wasn't his timing yet for me to have the job because it would have held me there, and I would not have come here. You see how God works? Like in the moment, I was frustrated and mad because I couldn't see everything. But if I would have saw everything in the moment, I'd have ran. I'd have been Jonah. <laughs> I'd have been like, oh, no. <laughs> if that was the end, okay, God, <laughs> you definitely made a mistake. So in my frustration, I was mad. Like, why can't I find a job? Why can't I change my career path? Like, I did all this education. I can't get a different job. 
And it, as soon as we had said we were going to start the church, like when, when we had been praying, it had been three years. Rochelle was not convinced. But in the third year, Rochelle became convinced <laughs> that, yes, we should do this. And uh, I was in a really dark place, very depressed, struggling. And uh, she said, let's do this. And I was like, that's dumb. You know, but we did it, <laughs> and I'm so glad we did, because when I got here, everything began to change. God had moved me and planted me where I needed to be, and then the job fell in place. The people fell in place. Everything began to fall in place. The validation that I was seeking from man then became validation from God, because now I had realized that God loves me and cares about me. And that while I was frustrated, it was just that I wasn't searching for what God had for me. So when you follow God's word, sometimes it's hard. So how do we buy the field? Matthew 10, verse 32, it says, Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before others, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. So I've been a real good Christian I, let me rephrase that. I've been a real good closet Christian in my life. I don't know if anyone of you knows what I'm talking about, but, like, you go to work and you blend in. You're a blender, you know. Like, you just, like, yeah, I fit in. I talk like everybody else. I act like everybody else. And then when people are like, what would you do this weekend? You're like, I didn't go to church. <laughs> I'm like, why is that so, like, hard to say? Like, oh, we went, my family went to church, you know, this day. I don't think they'd think anything of it, but in my mind it's this big deal. Like, well, I went to church. Well, now you can't hide it, like, in my position. Like, there's no way to be a closet Christian where I'm at now. <laughs> so it's really pushed me out of my comfort zone. <laughs> be like, oh, you know, I, just, uh, I play pastor on the weekends. <laughs> I still really struggle with it, I promise. I really do. So try not to be one of those closet Christians because it has value. And having that, don't deny God in front of others. So we buy the field by selling out our personal goals to follow what God has. Matthew 10, verse 38 says, And whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Anyone who finds his life will lose it, and anyone who loses his life because of me will find it. So my ambition to serve God, that means my ambition to serve him is in everything that I do. I will take up my cross, and I will follow him. I will pursue him in everything that I do. But it took a long time to come to the realization when I had left God that I needed to come back to God. It was a, it was a struggle. How can I buy the field <laughs> that I, I got to sell my, my dreams? I was serving in the military at the time, and I loved it. It was in the National Guard, so, you know, maybe like, like or whatever. But I loved it. But I really felt like I had to get out. Now, like, saying that, you're like, well, why would God want you to not serve your country? The place where I was planted, the things that I was doing, I was choking out the life, and so some things had to change. And the same is true for every single one of us. As we begin to pursue God, as we begin to follow him, there's going to be things that happen in our lives that God says, hey, we need to change. We need to change the things. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh, because <laughs> I'm going to laugh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I feel the same way, man. <laughs> He's like, what's taking so long? 
my ambition to serve God, I want to put it in everything that I do. It takes, it takes a long time to, for God to put you in ministry. But ministry isn't where we need to be rooted. I have to be rooted in him. And as I'm rooted in him, I will begin to affect other lives. And that is the part that changes everything is when the fruit begins to produce and you see people's lives transformed and changed. So we buy the field in our time, in our giving. Let's talk about this. Giving is a vital part of the church. And I'm not here to take up an offering in any way. But I want to talk about this. In the establishment of our church, it was my desire and felt that I was led by God that the church would be a giving church. And it's not talking about you guys, but I'm talking about our church as a whole. So let me give you some things that our church has done. It's hard to when the church doesn't practice what it preaches. You may hear the church says, hey, we need to give. But the church like, has got this tight death grip on the money, right? So I want to share some things with you. Starting out, it's not like we had this huge budget or this big... Um, you know, we didn't have $100,000 to start a church. <laughs> we had like four. <laughs> um, in our first year, we gave back to the community $2,380. In the second year, we gave $2,239 in benevolence and $1,200 for missions. And this year, at this point right now, we've given $2,381 in benevolence and $1,800 for missions and church planting. In the first three years, we've given over $10,000. That's, that's amazing. But that, that doesn't come because nobody gave. We, we are able to further the ministry. And the one thing that I have learned that in buying the field, sometimes it's going to take some sacrifice. And yes, sometimes it's a financial sacrifice. It wasn't easy to give money to start a church from the sale of my house, but I felt like it is what God wanted. I don't own this church. This church is our church. It's not my church. I don't own this church. I don't own the rights to this church. This church is its own. You guys own the church, and that means this money that has been given and blessed other ministries, other people right here in our community and, and in other places, that means that God is moving in you and through you. That's pretty awesome. God provides, look at this, in that we have still been able to have an awesome building. We've been able to remodel. We've been able to put new carpet in here like it was nasty tile floors. We were in a place that was 800 square foot before this. But look, God continues to provide as we continue to give. So the goal is 10% of what comes in every year for, for, uh, for our church to give back in missions and in our community. So the concept of giving isn't always easy. But it is. It is hard for God to place in our hand when our hand is closed. When we open our hand as a church and as an individual, God will provide. I promise you this. So I don't, I don't give you principles and, and, and things like that. I believe it's relationship. As you develop your relationship with God, there will be a desire to give. And it may be in your time. It may be in your finances. Sometimes we feel like, for some people, it's easier to give than it is to serve because it's like, well, I don't have the time to serve. Why is it when we always feel we're stressed, pressed, persecuted, that we're like, you know what, I need to take a step back from my relationship with God? <laughs> like, why, why is that the case? Like, I, like I'm, I'm guilty. Like, I've done the same thing. But we don't, we rob God of our of our service and our time and our love for him because we feel like we're stressed. And so if I take a break from God, 
Maybe you need to take a break from your job. Take a vacation. Re decompress a little bit and, and do something. So if you, if you need a word today, maybe it's vacation, okay? <laughs> Some of you I know need a vacation. I need a vacation. I'm going to admit it. <laughs> next year, also goals that I have set is that I'm going to take a vacation next year, something I haven't done in three years. <laughs> and I am excited about that, but it's because God has put us in a position now that we have people that are helping out in the church. And because people serve, it lightens the load for everyone. So we buy the field when we begin to look for the value that's within the field. You will never find value in the field if you don't look for the value. You'll never find value in yourself if you don't study God's word and see that he loves you. John 4 and 35 says, don't you say there is still four more months and then comes the harvest. Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the field because they are ready for harvest. We don't have time as the church to sit by and wait for everything to be perfect. Right. We are laborers in the harvest. Yes. And if we will love the field, God will send the harvesters. If we will love the field, they're already in the field ready to begin the harvest. You are part of the harvest. You are part of the ministry of Jesus Christ. That is so powerful that you are a laborer in the field. I want to be a laborer in the field. There's no laborer that's greater than another. I am equal with every single one of you, that every one of us can preach the gospel, that every one of us can teach, that every one of us can reach, that every one of us can love like Christ loved. And it's going to take some internal reflection on our part to buy that field and say, God, this is where you planted me. I'm going to love where you planted me. But when you love the master, you'll begin to love where you've been planted. There's an urgency in the field. There is an urgency for the need for laborers. The laborers are few, says in the Bible. The fields are ready. Pray, the Lord of the harvest. Doesn't say pray for the field, it's ready. Doesn't say pray for the wheat to grow, it's already grown. It says to pray for the laborers. So I pray for my fellow laborer. When you begin to realize that you are a laborer in the field of the kingdom, it changes everything. You begin to find purpose in ministry. You begin to find value in serving God. It doesn't, it's not a task anymore to go to church. It's not a task to serve. It's not a task to do these things. You're like, this is who I am. This is my identity. My identity is found in Christ, not in my career, not in my goals, not in my ambitions, but it's been found in Jesus Christ. So in closing, one of the final scriptures here that I'll give you is Matthew 9. Verse 37 says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Jesus said that the workers are few. So what should I do if the workers are few? That's information that I have. So as a saint of God, I've got to look. How can I step into what God wants for me. That should be every one of us. That should be a prayer that we ask. God, 
how can I step into what you want? Throughout the series, we looked at the parables. We've, we've looked at all of the things that Jesus talked about and how the field and sowing and all of this was a call for us to check our lives. In the first series, what type of ground are we? Am I good ground? Am I rocky ground? Am I compacted ground? Am I thorny ground? Where am I planted? In the next week, we talked about being a weed or being wheat. Like, which, which one is it? Like, I, I need to transition from the weed to the wheat. And the only way to do that is through the power of Jesus Christ. In the, fi- in, the, in the third week, we talked about how you have to be like the tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Psalms chapter 1. <laughs> there we go. I quoted it right finally. <laughs> and, and in that passage, our life source has to be Christ. Throughout all of this, we've talked about that. And then in the final day here, we talked about us. Every one of us in this building is broken. Every one of us makes a mess. Every one of us is in need of repair. And you know what the master does? He's not a, vel- he's not a, a duct tape kind of master. He's not just going to slap duct tape on you and say it's good and you're ready to go. But he's going to craft you and he's going to make you beautiful. You don't have to worry about duct tape, okay? I promise. He loves you and he cares about you. And while this dirt may not be great, matter of fact, it may have been frozen for a little while, doesn't mean that the dirt can't be changed. I go dump this out, and I've got a pot ready to be filled with dirt. But before that, I need repair. There's ways you can repair plastic. You can melt it back together. It may not look the same, but you know what? It holds the dirt. Do we care? about how we look or do I just want to be a vessel that God uses what if the scars that your body carries that your mind carries could be a testimony to the goodness of God when people ask you how can you even function or how can you even love God in this place I don't know but whatever God did he's changed my mind he's changed my heart you see I'm in need of being a laborer The church is in need of laborers. The church is in need of people who will love God, who will follow him. And while we're all broken, he already found value in you. And don't deny it. Don't tell me that I'm crazy. Don't tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about. I promise you, my Savior died for me, and he died for you, and he loves you. So stop believing what the world says. It's not once always a drug addict. You're always a drug addict. once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. You can be changed and transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't believe what the world says, because what I'm selling to you today is hope. And I promise you that the treasure of the word of God will take you further than you've ever gone before it will change your life your family your job it will change everything because you began to love where God has planted you I don't want us to be a church of just hearers but I want us to be a church of doers that will follow the spirit that will follow God's leading that will follow us every step of the way and so as this song plays today as this song plays today 
If you need prayer, if you're struggling with the next step, don't be ashamed to come to the front. But also, don't let anyone come up here alone. We're a church that stands together, that fights together. We're a church that's going to be united with each other. And so, if you need prayer today, I want you to come up to the front and get what God needs, that God wants to give to you today. Narrow as the road may seem I'll follow where your spirit leads Broken as my life may be I will give you every piece I
Let's just lift our hands. God, we love you. We thank you, God. God, I surrender my will to you. God, whatever it is that you want, God. God, I want to follow you in everything that I do, God. God, I pray that you would touch us and keep us, God. God, as we leave this place, God, I pray that you'd touch every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. On your sheet there, you'll find some questions for reflection that say, what do you determine in your heart? that you want to be, because it matters. Do I want to be a child of the king, or do I want to be a weed? How can I purchase the field that is filled with a great treasure? How can you purchase it? Because each of us have a process that we have to go through. God, I submit my, your, my will to your plan. God, whatever it is that you want, God, let it be less of me and more of you. So as you go throughout the week, reflect on those questions. Ask yourself, well, what do I need to do? by that field. What do I need to do? What is in my heart? What is it that I want to be? Do I just want to be an employee or do I want to be a servant of the Most High? I will tell you this. It, you can also be an employee and be a servant of the Most High, I promise. It does work. <laughs> but thank you for everyone who's here today. It's so excited. Make sure you say hi to my mom. You know, Ask her some crazy story about me that I've probably said. She'll be more than happy to tell you the truth about it. <laughs> God bless every one of you. You guys have a great day. And Oh, yeah. I should announce this. We just started a new thing, so you're not late. Um, we just started a new Bible study section. So you're not late if you want to be at Bible study. we got Bible study Tuesday nights at 6.30. There's, uh, I'm trying, God of Deliverance. That is what we're going through right now. We'll be on lesson two this week.